Are you guys ready for a ghoulish episode? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't. Midway through. Oh, man. I appreciate it. I'm trying. <laughs> I, I, Is this going to... Yeah, I'm going to have this jump the line so it gets out the uh, Sunday before Halloween. Okay, uh, I thought so. <laughs> I, I have been, I've been really bad. It, well, so bad about getting things out with, like, any sort of... Well, in regards to, like, holidays, that I just kind of gave up for the first year, year and a half, maybe two? Are we two years in now? I, I don't yeah. know. So I want to say we started late 2015. <laughs> wow, we've been doing this a long time. Ah, uh, just... Thinking back to our humble beginnings. Is, is so, uh, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. I think we're still there. <laughs> well, uh, let yeah. me think. When was the original pod? Uh, I started that in 20, 2008, I think. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Yeah, I want to say 2008 is the uh, old in AGP. I think it was like December 2007 or something. Like wow. That. Yeah. Oh. Late yeah. ass, too. Yeah, because I think in the early episodes I was complaining about uh, Christmas shoppers at the Dollar Tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Dollar Tree? Yeah, it's when I worked there. It was uh, in Vegas. In I'm... Vegas? No, no way. Back way back in two thousand eight. I, I thought you were. I thought you were in Sacramento for those. No, no, for, I was in Vegas for, for some those. of them. For some of them. Wait. No, no, I was in Vegas since the beginning. That was part that's of the reason right. why we did it. You know what? You had just. That's right, because you just moved. I remember on our unreleased episode, the first one. in regards to the holidays i just kind of gave up for a while and that started now was as good a time as any to try and jump on that and Do it. it came down to either pet shop of horrors which i had no experience with and hell girl which i had a decent amount of experience with but kind of didn't want to go back mm. to that shit was rough <laughs> In what way? Just like content, so, production? Think Death Parade, but like, uh, the not quite how you how we felt after the eclipse, but um, a similar kind of downer. So it's worth watching then. Um, see, that's <laughs> the thing. I think you guys would be like more down to watch it. Like, you guys can handle that brutality a bit better than me. Mm-hmm. Like, I watched it up till about episode maybe 17 or 18, and then a specific episode just broke me like Bane broke the Batman. <laughs> yeah. It's it's always... See, I like stuff like that when a show does that to me. But it's still like you need to take a break after stuff I, like I that. I couldn't handle it. Like, <laughs> It wasn't even like, oh, I'm so sad. It was like, at this point, I wanted to find the creator and kill them. It's like, why yeah, right. are you putting me through this? Why are you hurting me? Uh, it's testing you. Uh, 
But anyway, you casually answered one of the questions I had, which was your experience with this anime. So where did you find this? So this was kind of an anime I knew of peripherally, though I had a really... Like, I didn't realize how off my perception of it was. Mm. Like, I'd heard, you know, the name of the show, Pet Shop of Horrors, before, and just kind of, like, assumed it was in that pantheon of 80s OVAs. Mm -hmm. And was shocked to find out that this thing was, like, well, the manga was made in 95, and the anime wasn't created in Japan until 99. We didn't get it till 2000, but hmm. for some reason I had it in my head that this thing was just around for, like, like around since I discovered anime. Huh. And uh, not helping with that matter was the fact that it looks 80s as fuck. Yeah, I kind of, I, I started, the first episode I watched, I watched this sub, and then I was like... Well, first of all, whenever I find something out, or find that something is set in America, I want to watch mm-hmm. it in English. But but this is one of those things where it was like, I recognize this time period from this animation. I know I'm going to want to watch the dub, <laughs> because I, I love 80s dubs. They're, and this one's kind of weird. It's like, it's something about dubs back then where some of them felt like they pulled people who are more actor-actors rather than voice actors. Are you thinking of the detective? Yeah, him, him, especially his voice. He, his voice kind of sounds like he's kind of got like a Casey Affleck, like uh, Edward Burns kind of actor quality to his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's another. It's almost weird because I, I like the way it sounds, but it's it's almost like they're like just like it's off. Like it's it's like they're reading, but like they're not reading. But like they're they're it's like it feels natural, but somehow unnatural at the same time. You know what it it was for me is that he felt off for an anime, but right for Law and Order. So there was kind of an uncanny quality to his voice in this show. Yeah, it, it felt. You know what it is. A lot of the acting in this, it felt like listening to like an, an old show rather mm-hmm. than like listening to a dub for an anime. And nobody was really over the top. That's kind of what I, I think a lot of, especially in anime, especially these days, people tend to go over the top a lot. And I, yeah, well, that's that's based. I think it's helped to the by the source material, the over the yeah, top element. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think the the kind of mundanity of the dub is helped by the uh, the genre like it's kind of like horror it's like there's something creepy and weird about the mundane mm-hmm. like you want to have things be mundane because then when you introduce the weird shit it feels extra weird well yeah, that makes it, sense it, well yeah it feels extra weird it kind of like ties into that whole truth is stranger than fiction thing uh, the only credence I've ever given that statement is that, like, if something, if a fictional element feels real, it goes a lot further than something like over the top. And you can you can watch these episodes, and 
it's not like we're going to another world here. It it almost feels like conceivable that this could be going on in the background of our lives. Yeah, I think that's that's why I, I liked watching it in in English too because it was Me set in, in America, um, and it it did yeah it did it just felt like I don't know not slice of lifey but like. I don't know, I just felt kind of familiar and calming, but at the same time, the horror elements were, like, done really well, I thought. Yeah. But not yeah. just that, like, the, the stories I really enjoyed, that they really focused on giving a, like, really unique story for each episode. Because I was worried that by the second time you hear them, like, read the rules about the pets, I'm like, oh, okay, I got the formula. Mm-hmm. But then but then they do some really unique shit with it that I really enjoyed. Yeah. The thing I, I found uh, most refreshing about this is that it's not like... Because when I f- saw the first episode, I was thinking, okay, here we go. The, the Count's trying to teach everyone a lesson. He's all about like getting in the shit of humanity for being, I don't know, hypocritical or crappy or whatever. But by the time you get through all four of these episodes, you, it's believable that he does have genuinely good intentions for giving these uh, these pets to people. Like, he honestly wants people to be happy. And the stories we're getting, the reason why this is called Pet Shop of Horrors, is what we're learning about are the instances where these deals go south. Yeah, it was... Uh, he kind of is set up as like almost a sinister figure at first, but then at the end, I kind of, you like him a little bit. Yeah. He's, he's, he seems like a likable and decent dude, maybe a bit cold in some capacities. Like when he's uh, there with the woman who uh, had the bunnies, (laughs) he doesn't seem to bat an eyelash to them bunnies, like fucking trying to maul her. (laughs) Yeah. Or the uh, guy with the tiger. Like anytime somebody gets killed because they violated the contract, he seems a bit nonplussed, but seems concerned about, other people dying and you know the pets either dying or being unhappy like he seemed pretty messed up by uh episode three yeah he's almost like it's it's funny you you mentioned death parade earlier but he kind of reminds me a little bit of the yeah the the arbiter Mm -hmm. is that what they were called yeah i think so yeah he kind of reminds me in that he just he kind of like He's not. He's there to pass. In the case of Death Parade, he is there to pass judgment, kind of. But mm-hmm. they, they really. But it's like in a non-judgmental fashion. It's like they're kind of just watching human nature. It's like they see it a million times and they kind of know how things are going to play out. Yeah. It. Um. I, I guess the wording I would use is in the case of Dakim. It's more like provide a ruling versus pass judgment, if only due to the context. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Especially, like, this guy's, in some ways, he's almost like what Dakeem might end up some years down the line. Once he's kind of, like, hasn't quite mastered his emotions, but has embraced them to the degree that he's somewhat comfortable with expressing them. Yeah. Because the Count, as he was called, is, uh, he's... Very polite, very engaging, but yeah, as I said before, has some element of coldness to him. Loves his sweeties. Loves his sweets like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Looks like a I, damn woman. 
when I started w- watching, you know, some of this show, I was getting like a serious Tales from the Crypt vibe, uh, and also this is a whole, like a mix of a whole bunch of different things. Like the art style reminded me, yeah, a bunch of '80s anime, but also Please Save My Earth, which kind of had yeah the same art style and the same type of dubbing too, with just the actors mm-hmm. kind of overdoing it a little bit sometimes, but not enough where it's just a little, you know, where it's just like, oh, come on, but. But yeah, it was it was given off that vibe, but especially a Tales from the Crypt vibe, or just like Pet Cemetery, or or even like with um the episode of the the Halloween special, The Simpsons, when they're given the monkey paw and they do <laughs> all the different you know rent you know they do all these different things with it, yeah. and or just like with the Gremlins, you know yeah. when they, when, they, when they're yeah. given the little pets at the very beginning, and it's that same creepy guy. Or, you know, it, it, I, that was the vibe I was getting, at least from the first episode. But this was just, this was great. I loved it because it's just it's a mix of all these different classic horror tropes, I guess. I don't know. I don't yeah, know well, it is it is a, it's in the vein of shows like that and like uh, Masters of Horror. It's mm-hmm. a horror anthology series to the core. And um, I like that you mentioned Gremlins because I'm pretty sure, especially considering this thing was made in 95, uh, and proceeding in Gremlins 1 and 2, that Gremlins was probably a primary influence on this. To the degree that it might actually be canon <laughs> with the <laughs> films. Because like, uh, the Count is constantly saying, oh yeah, my grandfather, he actually owns the store. He's out at the moment. Like, maybe his grandfather is the old guy that shows up to collect Gizmo at the end of the first movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's it's down to like similar conditions. There's always three conditions. What were the conditions in Gremlins? It was don't feed them after midnight, don't uh, let them get wet, and I can't remember what. Oh yeah, keep them out of sunlight. <laughs> Whereas yeah, each of these pets has like three conditions to them. And oh my god, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't feed her chocolate. Or what was it? What wasn't not specifically chocolate? Which it's is like don't she feed can only eat uh, water and vegetables. Don't let mm-hmm. anybody see her. And I can't remember what the third one was. But it's always but, three conditions. But man, what happened when they gave her chocolate or anything? I did not expect that. That was just yeah. Yo, know, that that one was straight out of Gremlins too. Yeah, that was something about the Japanese and horror and babies and crazy pale things. <laughs> they just seem to be all over that for mm. some reason. Yeah, yeah that might be, uh, I guess it's a toss-up between episodes one and two as to which episode has the most, like, horror, most, like, scary shit in it. Because uh, that one escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. say it was was one. Because yeah. <laughs> that was a little more just like, like when he, like I, I put in my notes, there the scene where the cop kind of shows up, and like the the pet shop guy's there, and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me of Zodiac. You know the scene? Have you guys seen Zodiac? I yeah, think, I've seen that. Yeah, I don't know if I have. Oh. Well, there's a scene where where, where Jake Jeeks kind of. He ends up he ends up going somewhere with someone, and then he realizes like where he is and what he's going on, and he's kind of just like, like I need to get the fuck out of here right now. But it, it's a really tense scene. And I don't know. I just kind of got vibes 
uh, of that from from that scene. Just the idea of like going somewhere in over your head. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really great way to to use that that trope. Um, but it was kind of before I, I knew like the, the weird relationship that he would start having with the pet shop owner, and I thought he was a little more sinister mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. But still, like all the rabbits and and stuff. Uh, yeah, that, that was probably the darkest it, it got. Well, yeah, them rabbits. Uh, they killed the husband. Yeah, I kind of thought the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought the uh, like the logic for why they stopped was a little silly. It was like, oh, they hit the chocolate and the additives, and then they passed on and. To the genes and well, I think it's more that they all dropped dead at the same time. Whereas, like, it should have been them dropping dead in you know in relation to when they popped out, according to that logic. Yeah, the logic didn't really make any make much sense. It was convenient. Yeah, it was just a little okay. We gotta throw in a couple lines here as to why this isn't gonna destroy the entire country. Mm-hmm. Why we like, don't have to set this house on fire and then explain? Yeah, accidental arson, like tribbles in front of a cop. Yeah, pretty dark stuff. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was dark enough that you didn't have to like turn the cop corrupt and <laughs> silence the wife. <laughs> she- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I wish there was I, how long does the manga go for? Uh quite a while. It's like I think the first manga is ten volumes and mm. then they come back and do um hold on. Twelve more. The uh return series started in two thousand five and ended in twenty thirteen and the first oh, wow. series first series went from ninety five to ninety eight. Huh. So there was a there was a bit of a gap, but there, there's quite a bit out there. Is there any more anime of this? No, unfortunately, this was and again weird that it came out in '99 because this is like typical late '80s, early '90s um, promotion material OVA. Yeah, like they just picked stories at random for this and just kind of put them out mm-hmm. there. To it's drum interesting. up interest in the manga. That's interesting because I I just wanted to because it seems like he's it's always like the cop and the and the pet shop owner <laughs> like he just sits down and explains what happens and there's nothing really he can do about the pet shop but he's always there and I I really want to know like how long they could keep that dynamic up. Yeah, well, some of it is due to the fact that, like, um, you know, we we got implications that not all of these uh, pet stories go horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chief of police got a dog from that shop, and the uh, mayor got a penguin from it. Yeah, <laughs> mayor has a pet penguin, <laughs> but still, Which I mean, tight. He, he was going through those old news articles, and he was looking at all of these horrible things, and he was like, and they all bought from the pet shop. It's like all of these unsolved crimes stem from this. What I'm saying, though, is that the uh, pet shop owner seems to have some uh, insulation, so we sp- so to speak, legally, not just due to the contracts he writes up, but also because he's got, like, I wouldn't say he's got the mayor and chief of police in his pocket, but they would probably prefer... 
uh, investigations not to happen there. The chief of police is like actively refusing, refuting uh, fake ass Terry Bogart in regards <laughs> to investigating the pet shop throughout the course of the OBA. Yeah, he kind of doesn't really like they they mention that and you can see it, but they don't really talk too much about that. But also at the last episode, you get the sense that he's grooming the president to be in his pocket. Yeah, the future president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, but it seems like other presidents had been in that position. Well, yeah, in regards, well, he seems to be the go-between for the Kirin, which mm-hmm. uh, aligns itself with someone who will eventually have great power and influence. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I kind of was trying to figure out who he was referring to, and I think I, I uh, he was because he talks about like, oh, like there was a communist guy who wanted to take his country back but ended up killing a bunch of people and then a, another guy who wanted to solve his poverty and slaughtered millions and I, it seemed like it was Castro, Hitler and I think FDR because he mentions like a bomb being yeah. dropped. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, was it, or was it Truman? I think it might have been Truman. I'm pretty sure it was Truman that dropped mm-hmm. the bomb. Yeah, 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 yeah. It seems like it's always a uh, Someone of great power and, and influence who does some dire shit. Yeah, that's interesting, and that kind of just I, I like I, I appreciate the structure of this series, but that makes me really want to like jump ahead and see that presidency. Like, I think they did the first two stories were like pretty. So the first three were pretty self-contained, but that last one really kind of opens it up to like talk about the world mm-hmm. that this series lives in and i that made me want to see like where like two years four years out uh like or, or you know even 10 years like this world is super interesting to me just mm-hmm. and they did it all with one episode yeah yeah it does um because while i mostly enjoyed it for the uh, anthology type element of it the each episode being self-contained i would be interested for like maybe uh points of the story to focus on a continuity down the line like that could be interesting i'd like to see the character maybe like come back not even just come back when he's president but maybe come back as he's like attained a new office and maybe there's some issue with the kieran or maybe there's something going on with uh, the nature of his existence post that episode. (laughs) Yeah. Which is maybe Um, like the the one horror-y element, but uh, it's pretty dire if you think about it. Even the third uh, episode, and and kind of the the second... Oh, starring um, anime Mark Hamill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, they, They go into, like... The history of like Medusa, so it's it's kind of cool that they're working like these myths and like history. I, I really like the historical aspect that they kind of bring mm-hmm. to to these stories. Those are really fucking cool. Um, even the second one where it's kind of like, oh, they say like there are mermaids maybe around, and like we got one, and maybe <laughs> maybe one came here. Maybe like maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's your girlfriend, <laughs> like yeah. in her true form. Yeah, it's also kind of that was an interesting episode too because I feel like these episodes as a whole kind of embrace like supernatural shit just happens like it exists. But I feel like that one was almost like they're kind of skirting the line between like 
you know a lot of horror movies like psychological horror movies do that is it or isn't it yeah like kind of thing although i it was pretty clear she was a mermaid but at the end they were like we found her body half eaten by a giant fish yeah well i mean it seemed like the impression i got from that is that the giant fish was taking on her shape yeah I don't know. Wait, did well, they... If only because, like, and when they're, like, after they come back, like, uh, there's a couple of different shots of, like, the remains, and one of them is, like, a skeleton with her ring on it. And the reason why Dude thought the mermaid was his girlfriend is because she had the ring when he first saw her. Yeah. So I kind of... For whatever re- I guess I guess the real question that didn't get answered is why exactly is the mermaid taking on her shape? Uh, wait, because did they find her remains before then? Well, or? they said her. Well, they found pieces of her remains before then, and when they actually, when the uh, mermaid is actually eaten, what's his face? Uh, they see it, and it's not as the woman; it's the giant fish. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. They don't really explain what happened, which I kind of like. Oh, yeah, the, the mystery element. There's an element of mystery that they kind of leave there that I think adds to the allure. Because what this was really about was, and I think it kind of ties into Joe saying that, uh, uh, speaking to an over-the-top <laughs> element in the characters, is less them overacting and maybe them more over-feeling. Hmm. But in a good way. Yeah. Just like how this guy is handling his guilt and mistaking it for actual feelings. They're kind of like going all in on that. Yeah. See, I I got the impression that it was her, but she's like kind of fucked up or mutated or something. But now that you mentioned it in the first one, that wasn't really their daughter. No. So, yeah, that's, that's weird. But then it's like, how does he... How does the pet shop guy, like, he's, he's only just like, oh, I just found this thing, and it happens to look like your loved one who just died. Yeah, coincidentally, <laughs> we have this rabbit, and it looks just like your daughter. We have this giant fish that looks like your girlfriend that mysteriously drowned. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, this is still in the period of the story where he seems a bit more malicious. Yeah. And, like, might just be getting in everyone's shit. But, uh, yeah, I guess episode three is kind of the turning point on that. Yeah. Um, which I really appreciated because I, I like those first two episodes. Like, they're both really good, but, um, I was worried after I saw the second one that it would just kind of fall into a formula, but they. Here's the grim moral for this episode every episode. Yeah. Is what it was looking like. Yeah, but the the last two, especially that last one, was I really I really dug that one. That was mm-hmm. super interesting, and especially the like switch at the end with the where so he gets put into his buddy's body, right? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, it was an interesting way for it to turn out. I was kind of curious as to what was going on, and wasn't completely sure that they weren't just gonna throw a second or third curveball and be like, the ruler was actually 
like I'm still not even a hundred percent certain that the Kieran is serving the dude so much as serving the woman indirectly. Yeah. Um, or serving anybody, since it seems or, to always end in disaster. Or granting all three wishes simultaneously <laughs> in a pretty dire way. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we don't really get to... I mean, there's a tragedy there for sure. I guess the guy dies and then his buddy kind of assumes his identity. Well, yeah, you're, the, the, the horror element is you now exist in somebody else's body. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about that. That's kind of he seemed cool with it, but like. Well, it was more like he made peace with it, but it was like. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not the worst way that could turn out. No, he's, but... he's in a familiar enough body, and he gets to be with this woman that he's obviously in love with. But it's still yeah. it's still weird. It's still creepy. You're still having to like live in this world where you are dead for all intents and purposes and everyone thinks you're somebody else. Yeah, I feel like you'd you'd need to I feel like your mind would be pretty frail after yeah. like a week of that. Mhm. <laughs> it's like you have to embrace the identity crisis. Yeah. Um yeah, I forgot what I was going to say, but I, yeah, I just really liked that last episode. Mm-hmm. And I want more. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's the... It's the give and take. It's similar to how we feel about Golden Boy. It's the give and take to a lot of these uh, promotional material OVAs. You know, it's really good. They leave you wanting more, and that's by design, because they're made so you go out and track down the manga. So you go out and read that. Um, now, whether or not that works can vary. <laughs> it can vary quite drastically because uh, I want us to watch Please Save My Earth before we get to episode 100. Woo! Because that was an instance of me tracking down the manga and being like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> no, I love that anime. Thank you, KTEH. Thank oh, you so God. much. Yes. Yes, I love that anime so much. It's super good. Um, yeah. Uh, not quite the same with Golden Boy, but something similar, where, like, Golden Boy was endearing and heartwarming, and the manga is has those elements, but is also pretty skeezy. Hmm. Like, there's a yeah. lot of, like, legit grimy-ass sex going on in that manga. Interesting. Ugh, <laughs> uh, really? Um, one episode, not episode, one chapter begins with, um, somewhat, well, no, I should say, it ends, I don't know, it's either near the beginning or near the end, but it has Kintara going up to some woman or some group of women, and, like, exposing his asshole to them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sounds amazing. Whoa. It's like I need to read it right Whoa. now. <laughs> what? Yeah. What, what is the context of... No, that's 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 the hook. That's the reason why that's I'm not the sure. Hook. The reason why I'm not sure when it happens is because why that happens is what's supposed to get you to want to read that chapter. Because someone else does it, too. And I'm not sure if it's Kintaro that does it first, and then they flash back. 
or, if they, start with the, or if they start with the other guy doing it. Kentaro being like, what was that about? And then you get to the end. Oh my god. That sounds amazing. <laughs> wow. Ugh. But it's 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 fine in its own right. It just kind of veers off from what you get from the uh, OVA in the case of Golden Boy, and a bit more so with Please Save My Earth. Granted, not in that skeezy direction. No, there's no skis in there. No, the Please Save My Earth manga has weird bits of humor that kind of fall flat. Well, that. That whole anime took itself pretty damn serious. Yeah, well, yeah, it was really serious, and the humorous bits in the manga felt off. Yeah. But I'll get into that when we watch that anime. That's interesting. I had a similar experience with Cromarty High. I read the first manga, or maybe the first Mm -hmm. couple, and then the show just, like, wasn't as funny. Maybe it was because it was pretty exact. Like, I saw the jokes beforehand. Yeah, I, I felt that way, too. Like, I think I read the first volume of the manga and watched, tried to watch the uh, related episodes. And, and whereas I liked the manga, the anime episodes actively pissed me off. Huh. Why? I don't remember all of it. I know there was more than what happened in episode one. But episode one is the bit that's clearest in my head, which was when they get to the punchline of that first story of, like, why normal-ass normal dude is at the delinquent school. They say, if you want to know the outcome to this story, go read the manga. Oh. (laughs) It's like, I'd read the manga, so I knew what it was, but I was, like, sitting there thinking, that's not funny. Why are you wasting my time? I wanted yeah. to see the reactions to this animated, and you give me this horse shit. Yeah, I think <laughs> I remember that. But yeah, I wonder if it, if I go back and watch the because I think I have the first DVD of that. I wonder if I watch it if it'll be funny again since I've forgotten all the all the jokes. I think the only thing I liked about the anime was the opening because mm. of how silly it was. How much did you watch? I want to say I watched about four episodes. Yeah, me too. I think that's what's on the the goddamn DVD, maybe five. But mm-hmm. maybe if I go past that, and start watching past what I've read, it'll be funnier. But then the, I don't know it's it's a weird it's a weird thing with that. Like yeah. like when they're so similar, it's almost like why does one exist? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. But at the same time, it's such a natural translation to do. Like, yeah, it's weird. Hmm. So, Lionel, with this particular anime, you're saying that this was used as a promo for the manga? Well, it, that it's uh, the kind of OVA that's promotional material for uh, the manga. Okay. Like, um, and normally these will cover, like, unless it's a uh, kind of an episodic series such as this case what yeah. would normally be covered are the first um, maybe like the first volume mm. like I think that's what they did with Please Save My Earth it was like the first volume or first two or at the very least the first arc in the story it'll be that first bit to kind of get you in and this is especially helpful in shows that start really slow Yeah, or are just kind of like have a very typical beginning um, 
Yeah. Do you do you know what this got on anime list? Uh, is it pretty highly rated or? I, I mean, don't know for certain. I want to say it's. Uh, oh, it's seven. I want to say it's seven. Predominantly light. It's maybe like just not as well known as some of the bigger name stuff. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, and and that's probably due to the uh, episodic nature of it and the fact that it's only four episodes. Yeah, I kind of wish that there were more horror animes out there. There really doesn't seem to be a lot, but the ones that are out there tend to usually be pretty good. So it's, I wonder a, why. There's a bit more out there. I want to say what you're going to find more in uh, anime are other anime that utilize horror elements. And yeah, I kind yeah. Of actually utilize them pretty well. Yeah, I don't mm. think I'd call it Death Parade a like, horror anime, but it no. has those elements in there. Well, it kind of hits those weird points of like disturbing, whether it's disturbing human behavior or just disturbing things happening pretty well. Like Both Death mm. Parade and this kind of hit, hit that mark pretty well. Would you, would you say uh, Death Note maybe would fall into? Death Note definitely has the elements. <laughs> Yeah, Death Note is an instance of horror elements rather than a horror anime itself. Yeah, that's true. Um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, in spite of being a pretty bombastic uh, shonen and later seinen series, is also utilizes horror elements really well. It's actually Mm -hmm. how the fight the fights ultimately play out like you're fighting a like you're trying to survive a supernatural horror movie. You can't just like attack the enemy directly. You've got to figure out how their powers or how their abilities work, figure out how to kill them, and then figure out how to enact said plan in order to kill them. Hmm. It's like you can't yeah. just punch Freddy in the mouth. You've got to pull him out of the dream world and then kill him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can't really think of... Oh, man. Any anime that is focused on the horror-type part instead of just taking parts of it um hmm. there's a castlevania though that, eh, that's again that's uh, that horror, that's horror elements though that's a uh, lot of horror elements mm-hmm. maybe berserk with but a touch even, of action yeah same even, thing yeah it's it's weird because i feel like berserk is one of the few animes at least from how we watched it like golden age to whatever i feel like it's it switches genres almost. Yeah. Well, yeah, it definitely in regards to the setting, but that's part that's due in no small part to the setting genuinely changing. Yeah, which is I think is actually kind of cool. And oh yeah, I I like it when I see shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how you keep things fresh. Like you make Logan a western or something like that. Yeah. Well, I kind of wish uh, more uh, material was willing to do that. I'm trying to think. I know there was at least one set of movies where I kind of wanted the genre to change at some point. Um, well, actually, a good example of that is that uh, Kevin Smith movie, uh, Red State. Yeah. Where I don't even know if this was his exact intent, but it ended up happening. Where... Um, Every time you're about to hit a point where the genre the film is in would create a contrivance, it shifts and damn near shifts to another genre because it starts out like a horror movie. And I want to say by the end of it, it turns into an action movie. 
Yeah, kind of. That's like a, it goes a, from horror to suspense to action to something else. Yeah, that's such an underrated film. Mm-hmm. So I was just looking it up, and Serial Experiment Lane, I could definitely say that's a horror that that's just all kinds yeah, of that's got weird and weird creepy. disturbing stuff especially with the weird reality bending bits that occur throughout yeah and paranoia agents that's that's definitely another one that's yeah that's got the horror anthology element to it mm-hmm. kind of wrapped around the um element of this serial attacker Oh, yeah. Some messed up things happen in that show. <laughs> I like that show up till the end. Yeah. I don't necessarily uh, hate the end, but I got some personal issues with it. And. Paranoia Agent. That's a good one. It's um, pretty good. What else is there? Oh, I never watched it, but I know it's really popular and a lot of people seem to like it. Is the um, High School of the Dead? Um, I think that's more schlocky zombie action, action. zombie killing. Mm. But I mean, I guess like yeah, it, zombies are kind of weird in that they began as horror elements, horror icons, and then kind of like shifted into other genres. Um, mm. They're probably like like a, a world, the world of a zombie zombie outbreak is probably a good uh, world to have genre shifts. I mean, we had that with Resident Evil. It did shift from horror to action. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, it was horror. Over the top action too. Yeah. All your your primary characters basically became varying degree of superhero. Yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) You know, I I actually had a chance to play the demo for for the the one with I think Jill on the boat, and uh, oh, I was surprised. Yeah, I don't, do people like that game? I was surprised that it was they went back to survival horror, but kept the like exact same controls as like RE five and six. Yeah, I was meaning to try that because of that exactly. Like they they put you on the ship, they give you the claustrophobic element, they still let you have the control, but from what I heard, they uh crank up aspects of the difficulty so it's a lot more tense. Yeah, I mean, really all you get to do with those controls is kind of take away ammo and spread out the enemies and make them a little more powerful. Yeah, uh, well, like, force you to fight creatively rather than just aggressively. Yeah. Or run. And Well, yeah, run. You kind of, like, it's really about, like, gauging the situation. Um, that can work. Um... And I love four, um, five is good, but I think that's kind of when they went too far in the direction of fight, above all else. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, again, six is a superhero movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six is uh, zombie apocalypse Avengers. <laughs> Would you guys consider Akira to be a horror film? That's for me, that's horror elements again. Body really? horror, maybe? Definitely body horror. Yeah. Good Christ. Um, so what else would you call it? It's, it's not really an action-adventure. It's it's almost more of a thriller, except it's... It's 
It's a lot. It's a, Maybe that's another instance of genre shifting because it seems to shift a lot based on who the main character is. Yeah, I think especially when you thrillers are kind of really can they can be really close to horror films and they can even almost overlap a lot of the time. But oh yeah, um, it, but then there's kind of the opposite t- direction to go is like political thriller or, mm-hmm. or something like that or like bank heisting, but. Um, a lot of times, thrillers are like horror movies. See, I, I'm really glad you brought that up because I've always been wondering what what is the difference between like a thriller and a horror movie? They seem to borrow so much from each other. And the game Dead Space, I keep saying that it's a thriller and not a horror, even though it has so many elements of that. But it's more like action kind of. I don't. I'm just. It's, I don't know. Like it's, um, it feels more like a thriller than a horror. I want to say that in both cases, there's an element of near, if not constant, tension. Yes. Um, maybe the difference is is where is that tension come from? Yeah. Is mm-hmm. it an unease, an uncertainty of what's going to happen, who's doing what? Because I want to say, yeah. in the case of a horror movie, the unease and uncertainty is very clear. It's when and if is this thing going to like kill? whether the thing is an actual person or a monster or whatever, it can get pretty tricky when they're trying to play the killer as mysterious or whatever mm. the bad thing is, the scary thing is. I think horror versus thriller, you can kind of look at it as like a spectrum of how empowered and how much the main character knows. Like mm-hmm. to, to the one side, you have someone totally powerless at the whims, like somewhere where they don't know and they don't know who's like harassing them or, mm-hmm. or torturing them as like on the horror side. And then the, the farther you move away from that, that person gets more visible and yet untouchable. And the space that the protagonist is in becomes much more open and maybe even safe, but it's just that they, they're more trying to, f- it's usually thrillers are usually about figuring something out for mm-hmm. the protagonist. And, Thrillers tend to be a bit more fast-paced. Like I think a, a good um, recent political thriller is the second Captain America movie, mm-hmm. The Winter Soldier. That's absolutely a thriller, um, but there's not really many horror elements in there. Yeah. Um, um, maybe like if you use the analogy of both being a game... Uh, a thriller has an auto map that you unlock stuff as you visit it. The horror has no map at all, which is to say in a thriller, you're uncovering things, you're discovering, you're expanding what you know and what you can do. Whereas in the horror, you're just trying to survive it. Yeah. You're just trying to kill whatever is killing you or, or escape. But thriller is usually it's it's exactly that. It's uncovering something. You can win a thriller. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But that sounds exactly what Dead Space is. Uh, okay. So I guess Dead Space is absolutely a thriller. Then that is just not a straight I mean, up horror. Joe, if you're uncertain about mm. what a thriller is, you just got to ask MJ. <laughs> this this Excuse question me. was answered before we were even born. Hmm. Not sure what you mean by that. Not sure what you mean by that, but okay, I will. (laughs) 
Oh God, no, I get it. Oh, that. <laughs> I was just listening to. I was just listening to that music video too. Oh yeah, it's it's Halloween. You you gotta. Yeah. What uh, are you guys talking about? The music video thriller. Oh, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, MJ. Well, when you said That's MJ, I was thinking, Sp- thinking Spider Man. <laughs> so oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, there's, there's Michael Jordan, yeah. Mary Jane, there's a skater yeah. named Mark Johnson. Yeah. Um, Magic yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to go off from that one. Uh, but, um, okay, yeah, that your guys' definitions of what separates them, yeah, totally. Yeah. Makes sense. I think. Uh, thrillers can be well. That's mm. thrillers cannot be horror. Mm. Uh, but up there, horror. Well, I guess horror usually has some element. Well, of I was about to say yeah, thriller. Good, good horror will have some element of thriller, even if it's just when's blank gonna happen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think the easiest way to do that is just go watch a bunch of thrillers and you'll kind of see it. the game with Michael Douglas is a good one. Uh, yeah, uh, the negotiation for a long time. Mm. Yeah, that was what? Uh, his wheelhouse, like just what he did, like a Michael yeah, Douglas yeah. movie was a, was a thriller. Right, like, oftentimes erotic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. The erotic thriller, Joe. Oh, God. Ooh. Ooh. Political thrillers. Uh, you know, the 70s had a lot of really good political thrillers. The Negotiator with Sam Jackson. That's a really good thriller. I love that one. I like that okay. one, too. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. kind of want to watch that again. <laughs> yeah. I want to say thrillers are, are about kind of doing everything you can to fight against like an oppressive unseen mm-hmm. force mm-hmm. uncovering a mystery it's like a mystery with a uh, really fast pacing oh okay that's a, oh, that's a good way yeah, to put it. Or, or yeah like, I like that it's like I guess the way I visualize like I have a visual analogy for a thriller which is kind of like you enter that trap room where the ceiling is coming down on you and there's like a series of puzzles you have to do to unlock a lockbox which has a key that can stop the ceiling. Hmm. My if the the thing that pops up visually for me is just someone running, <laughs> running down the street through a through a crowd of people. That's like, huh? You know what it is? It's the cover. It's the poster for the fugitives. Ah. Uh. It's Harrison Ford running. Or it's that, any. Any Tom Cruise movie, he tends to run yeah, I, a that's lot. That's the first thing I thought of when you said someone running was Tom <laughs> Just, Cruise. Those Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible yeah. movies, he's like constantly running all the time. It's great. You know what? A good thriller trope is is someone running from something while at the same time trying to figure something out. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's it's uh, like running through a crowd of people unsure if the guy trying to kill you is in that crowd. <laughs> oh man. Or the awesome shot where they're like pushing their way through a crowd of people trying yeah. to figure out. A lot of times it's about trying to uh prove something. Like mm. you are even if it's not a mystery, like you know something and now you just gotta find the evidence mm-hmm. to yeah. like prove something. Yeah. I guess that's what the fugitive is about too. Mm-hmm. Man, 
thrillers are awesome. Yeah, there's like a weird bit of uh, consistent overlap between uh, horror, thriller, and mystery. Mm. Like so, the good ones, you're going to find elements of all of them. So for me, I, I just call the Saw movies torture porn. I mean, that that's not even really... Yeah, that's a, that's a that stuff. kind of it's horror... Like human thing. centipede type stuff. And, Ugh. Yeah, it's... Right up there. Yeah, just, that's that's more just like disturbing you with the visuals, with the what is actually happening versus like there isn't as much of a psychological element there. Whereas I want to say for something like this, there's a lot more because a lot of what's terrifying are implications of what's going on here. Yeah, I mean the saw is it's all about trying to figure out why this is happening to you and others. So, I mean, there's that sense of mystery there, but they seem to focus so hard on the well, torture part. Yeah. Just, the problem is, is like the problem there is, um, like a, the majority of the mystery kind of like goes out after that first film. <laughs> Cause it's like, okay, this is my reason for doing this. You go into the next movie, it's, oh, okay, this guy apparently, in quotes, deserved it. I wonder how he deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now they're making another one, supposedly. It's, yeah, it's primarily one. about, okay, how how are these people going to get fucked up? It's kind of like the element of the kills in your slasher, but mm. you're kind of going all in on that and taking away from the build and the allure of the killer and kind of like playing up the um, inherent invulnerabilities of these characters. Um, horror, as much as I don't really like it, is kind of interesting in that it's a genre where what's on display is what makes people vulnerable, whereas um, I guess like the action I really like is an instance where what's on display is what makes people strong. Uh, to the degree that, like, my personal reading of a lot of horror movies, specifically supernatural ones, are <laughs> this is a world where the equivalent hero got killed or never came into being. Yeah. God, man, the like, horror like, genre. Think, think about Gotham yeah. with no Batman. Mm. That would be a good show, then. That's a, that's, a horror <laughs> an, that's a horror anthology series right there. Yeah, well, I mean, how, Clayface is a horror movie villain. The Joker yeah. is a serial killer. Two Face is definitely on some saw shit. Same thing, they, like Poison Ivy, fucking plants coming at you. Did they do Clayface on that show? Did they? I would watch that. I love Clayface. I don't know, but like mm. by the around the time I fell off, it was in the realm of possibility that they could do him. Yeah, now now that show's just gotten ridiculous. I I I, I tried and I can't. It's not for everyone. I I can't deny that. Yeah, that's yeah, but yeah, I would I would love I love Clayface. He's one of my favorite Batman well, villains. Yeah. But I mean, just just think about any um, superheroes um, rogues gallery, mm -hmm. and imagine those rogues in a world where the superhero doesn't exist. You've basically got a horror movie. Mm. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. Now it's left to normal ass people to figure out how to deal with the Green Goblin and his crazy ass flying <laughs> fucking <laughs> glider and explosive pumpkins. You spend the first chunk of that movie thinking he's an actual goblin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's true. That's interesting. I wonder if anybody's ever like done that in the comics. Just like what if all these crazy assholes just had no one to fight? <laughs> just flying around. I need something to do. Well, I mean, yeah, no just... Spider-Man. I'm already president of the planet. So... Well, yeah, you just got to <laughs> think about what their aim was before Spider-Man or Superman or insert villain here showed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's no Superman, Brainiac is basically all of Skynet in Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I've never really thought about that except for that that one comic I think I told you about the ruins. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I think I remember that. Well, there was this one episode of like because how the Simpsons do their Halloween specials all the uh, time and Treehouse of Horrors episodes. Yeah, and one of the la- the, the earlier uh, the latest seasons. Um, I think it was season 27 or whatever. Sideshow Bob finally kills Bart and <laughs> he finally does it. I mean, it's pretty bloody. But uh, And then it's kind of interesting because you get to see uh, he spends all these seasons trying to kill him and he fails. And this one, he finally does it. And how it ends is he just he's bored. He just doesn't like he says, oh, well, I killed him. And now do I do? So he just ends up bringing him back to life again so he can kill him again. So he just spends the rest of the show just bringing Bart back and killing him over and over and over again because his life just becomes boring and there's nothing to do after he's finally done the deed. Yeah. The funny thing about those episodes with Sideshow Bob is that I think those episodes reveal that Bart is some kind of savant. Specifically, like, he has maybe a level of intelligence higher than his sister's but can only access it when his life is in danger. (laughs) (laughs) because otherwise he's a complete idiot (laughs) yeah well I just think it's more so Sideshow Bob just tends to fall for the same because he's so full of himself they kind of use that against him every time well yeah Uh, there's the element of hubris but like Bart becomes a detective in those episodes but only in those episodes uh, no I mean him and his sister tend to always team up to solve yeah but in which case it's usually his sister He's the bumbling sidekick. Yeah, and they also make that very clear. That's true. Mm, interesting, interesting theory. <laughs> I'm very, on fire tonight. <laughs> very. I didn't. Even, oh, see. you get you get a chocolate bar, my friend. Well done. That is, huh? But um. But yeah, I guess my point was that it's just it's. I would love to see more stuff where you kind of turn things on their head and like maybe just. Like the superhero is not there anymore, or the villain has finally taken over, and just just kind of see what would they do. Like in Pinky and the Brain, what would like even the episode when the brain finally took over the world? What happened after that? He was bored. He was bored out of his mind. Yeah, that's because <laughs> there was nothing thing. to do. That's a frequent thing yeah. with Doctor Doom. Yeah, well, I think for a lot of I, these villains, it's about the climb, not reaching yep. the peak. Yeah, I feel like that's what Doctor Doom does. Is he just sits around in Latveria? Eventually, he pokes his head kind of outside, but. He's very much seems like a bored guy. But I think Jumper Cables' point was that it would just become a story about like regular ass beat cops and shit. <laughs> just like the reg- yeah. the common man trying to take like how do we 
Mm-mm. How do we take down this octopus man? Like he's robbed fucking like fifty banks. How do we stop him? That's <laughs> mm. true. Yeah, but I mean, what? like, well, I mean, think of like, uh, I mean, it's definitely a horror movie if you're looking at like, okay, how do these normal ass people deal with carnage? Yeah, yeah. Like he's yeah. a fucking psychotic murder machine. He yeah. just kills for the hell of it. You don't have any powers. You have to figure out, A, how to stop him, how to hurt him, how to kill him, and B, how do you enact doing this? What, and how many people what, are going to die? Like, how many people are going to die before you realize you can hurt him with, like, high, like... like Sonics. Sonics, yeah, that's the term I was looking for. And fire. And fire, yeah. How, how many people die before you realize you can even do that? Yeah. How many people die trying to use that to kill him? Well, isn't that what Agent Shield is, pretty much? Agent I mean, that... Shield is kind of like that, but they have tech. Like mm. they're they're an organization dedicated to it. Um, Are you just talking about regular ass people? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, yeah. That's cops. the thing. Oh, is is no. like right. horror uh. movies are normally uh. about regular ass people having to deal with supernatural elements, which is why I compare it to a civilian trying to take down a supervillain. I swear, there's a TV show about that. Kind Freddy Krueger is basically a supervillain. Yeah, it's terrifying. That man scares me to death. God, I don't know. Dream Warriors kind of like took some of the fear away from for me, in a good uh, way. Um, you can't defeat him in your dreams, but you can defend yourself till you wake up. And well, from there, it mm-hmm. makes the possibility of pulling him out of the dream a bit easier. Though, even if you pull him out of the dream, you're still fighting a guy with a claw hand. Yeah, but that's it. You just shoot him with a shotgun at that point. I well, mean, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, he's pretty much down for the count after that. Well, that's not true. He just goes back in the dream world. And he comes. Well, that, that's, it's like that's he's immortal. Assuming, that's assuming you have a shotgun on hand. Right. Yeah. Well, but just, there's, as the movies mm-hmm. go on, there's different ways to kind of like keep him from coming back. The idea is you pull him out the dream, you kill him, you've taken him down. He finds some way to come back via... Like, I think in Dream Warriors, the way it works is is he was kind of using his physical remains as an mm-hmm. anchor. So they had to, like, unearth his corpse and burn it, I think. Yeah, that's the way so he dies. Now, yeah, so the idea is that he's finding different ways to anchor himself to this reality. Mm. You know, out of all the, the stories of these, you know, these, I guess, these creatures or whatever, like Jason and whatever, I have to say... Uh, Freddy's backstory is the one that creeps me out the most. I, I just fucked. I like, don't. That's just disturbing. Why was he allowed to? Why? Like that makes you think there's no god in that world. Because <laughs> why was the serial killer, this child murderer, able to come yeah. back? revenge on top of anything else I'll take vengeance for you burning me, bitch. We burned you because you killed our kids. Well, not only killed them, he did other things. Oh, he was probably um, doing all kinds of fucked up torture and shit. I mean, I never, uh, I've never seen those movies. Oh, yeah. they, oh, oh, yeah. It's when, he's a. When do they get into his backstory? In the the the, the newest one, well, well yeah, I want to say that that remake they kind of like give you a lot of the, a lot more of the backstory, whereas <laughs> you're kind of getting bits of it over the course of the uh, films. <laughs> in the the newest one it's basically his origin story movie i mean it's mm-hmm. pretty much what it is and 
Yeah, no, he's he was a he was a pedophile. That's he, he lured was, little children and he was a yeah. monster before he came back from the dead. Yes, he, he was. Mm. It was guy was sick. Gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick. Bad. In mm. the strongest sense of the word, that guy was fucking sick. And the very, and you know, you just think about it, and he's coming back for, and always hunting teenagers and young yeah. people. Well, like, uh, the most disturbing thing in all of those movies wasn't even like direct depictions of that. It's like I think I was watching Freddy Goes to Hell, mm. and that's something I miss in regards to horror movies. Is that the last one is always this guy goes to hell? <laughs> fuck him. <Yeah. laughs> also, I just like saying things. Uh, I don't know why I like the idea of telling things that telling people to go to hell but uh <laughs> it's also uh cool to see that that yeah, yeah that different interpret i always bill and ted 2 is the one that always sticks out in my mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah play twister with with death um <laughs> but uh yeah the most disturbing thing that i remember from the freddy series is is like there's this scene of a like a fair or a carnival whatever in town mm. you know you got the rides you got the cotton candy you got all that stuff and it is empty like it's in elm street whatever city elm street is in it's fucking empty it's fucking empty because freddie has basically won there's yeah. no kids to go to that thing he killed them all <laughs> Yeah, it's, it doesn't even. It almost doesn't matter that he's going to hell now. Yeah, Freddy's pretty messed. And like, I, I don't know if you ever watched that. I think it was like a, a three-hour you know, documentary. The yeah, the documentary yeah, that. that was really good. Yeah, yeah that thing was amazing. And it was. I didn't. I did not realize this, but I think it was either the second, second movie or the third movie. There was like crazy gay overtones and kind of like gay <laughs> yeah. torture porn. Pretty much, like, like it a lot of is, weird subtext. Like I was yeah, listening to a yeah, podcast tons of subtext. Someone was uh, describing a scene in there where it's like this guy runs away from this girl because he doesn't want to have sex to her, and busts into his friend's room shirtless because yeah. he wants to be with him. Yeah. Don't tell me this isn't gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was I think it was the second or third one was the only one where the main person was a guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's um things got weird in that one. I remember watching that as a kid. I would, you know, I didn't really understand any of that sort. But like, I watched it a little oh, a few years back. I was like, oh my god, yes, this is very gay. <laughs> it's not just not just yeah. saying it, the word gay isn't bad or whatever. But it's you know, it bad. was homosexual, it's, like gay. Yeah, it's 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 surprising in like how directly it seems to be tackling that in a world that is not normally accepting of it like, yeah I think that, that's why like depictions of homosexuality specifically when it's kind of covert like that is mm-hmm. startling it's not that it's like wrong or no. anything like that it's just kind of like like man you're going for it hey do <laughs> no, it yeah do it yeah no, and i and i kind of appreciate that they actually did that kind of thing i mean simply because you you just would not have expected them to put something like that in there. And yeah, especially mm-hmm. back then, you know, if you were gay or something, that wasn't something that was seen as good. So the fact that they were willing to take that chance and put that sort of thing in there, they did a lot of really interesting stuff um, in that. And they talk all about it in that documentary. But yeah, it was, I, I love the Freddy movies. They're, 
yeah, there's, there's a lot of really neat stuff behind those films. He is in regards to like horror movie icons was my favorite. Uh, as a little kid, um, I would watch horror movies as a kid, not because I really liked being scared. I didn't really find them scary, but uh, I liked the the gore and special effects. And yeah. Freddy's movies had those in abundance, which is why I liked uh, Nightmare on Elm Street more than any of the other ones. Mm. Um, in regards to like weird hidden gay subtext, apparently uh, <laughs> Clive Barker's really good at that. But uh, well, specifically his movies, but that's because Clive Barker's actually gay. Oh well, there we go. That explains it. So, like, if they're like pulling from his uh, books for source material, then they're having to read these like long, uh, <laughs> drawn-out descriptions of the shirtless man with his like rippling <laughs> pecs and <laughs> his chest and heaving up and down. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I didn't know Clive I Parker was gay. Yeah, yeah. I guess that explains a lot. Then, so much yeah. you can learn. I haven't. Uh, I think the only one of his I've seen is Red Eye, which is pretty good. Um, you saw um, what is the name of that movie with the um, whole like world of monster people? Uh, world of monster people. Um, why can't I remember the name of it? Monster people. Um, oh, fucking Nightbreed. Nightbreed. Yeah, that was yeah. him too. Oh shit! That was my shit back in the day. Yeah, um, I, I think need to go back to that. I think the book is called like Cabal or something. Yeah, I think the sequel is called Cabal too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that was him, and uh, that's supposed to explain both why the main character is walking around shirtless and sweaty in certain scenes. And at one point, one of the villains refers to this is referring to like families he's killed as breeders apparently that was like a bad word for straight people back in the day huh interesting <laughs> that's breeders but yeah looking at his filmography I, I actually I had a um, what, do you, what do you call it a, a babysitter who was really into horror so I was kind of aware of everything that was going on back then even if I didn't see it I definitely loved Nightbreed, but it looks like Hellraiser, Candyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Candyman. <laughs> I remember mm. I actually... Did you do the my, mirror thing? Uh, I'm sure I did. I'm sure <laughs> I tried to summon a lot of things that way. <laughs> but uh, uh. it was Bloody Mary, dude, yeah. But my mom actually took me to see Lord of Illusions because I wanted to see it because my babysitter was hyped. And I mm-hmm. thought it looked cool from the trailers, and then it was just—I I just remember it, it was—it was real dark, and there was—I think there was some weird sex shit in there, and then we just left after probably like half an hour or yeah. something, like twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Like we walked out. I was too little. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I remember, uh, like, I wasn't as into Friday the Thirteenth specifically because like I was a little kid watching this and I was just not interested in the boobs <laughs> or the sex you want the killings the stabbings well, the yeah I wanted to see uh, Jason go on a rampage and more than that I think I can't remember which movie it was there was one movie where one of the main characters was a boxer and was actually trying to fight zombie Jason and I was like <laughs> this is the raw shit ever yeah <laughs> 
It's like, yeah, <laughs> fight. <laughs> That's what little Lionel wanted. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. What I wanted was like some... Basically, I wanted either another horror movie character to show up and it to be like a kaiju fight. Or for one of the... Uh, <laughs> one of the human people to turn like superhero for a minute. And again, kaiju fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's just... I mean, there are lots of horror films that come out that, are, that have been coming out in the past, I guess decade but nothing as memorable that i can think of as it's, like jason or freddy or it's a weird phenomenon <laughs> where like when they first made these characters same i want to oh, say same it? thing with like uh like chucky mm-hmm. and uh, michael myers they weren't trying to create icons um yeah. it was kind of the lightning in the bottle thing but it was also the fact that horror was just bigger at the time yeah, I want to say horror these days has gone from less like villain based to more like concept or gimmick based. Mm-hmm. So I was like, look at this thing that is happening to these people, or like this thing, this guy's doing this weird thing to them. Like, mm-hmm. I I think I know people know the name of like the Saw guy, but I don't know what Eli his Roth? fucking. That is no, him? no. See, <laughs> I, I'm talking about like this. Isn't there like a character? Oh, the old guy. Oh, um, Jigsaw? The old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know people know, like, that guy, but I think he has, like, a face or something, like a mask or something, but... Well, yeah, what he's, um, he's usually displayed as this puppet. Yeah. This Mm. weird-ass puppet that will, like, he'll remote control right in on a tricycle. There's, like, the actual actor. Um, I think if you look up Jigsaw, you'll get, like, the actual actor's face that is supposed to be the real guy. Well, he was in the first few movies, and he supposedly died. Yeah. And then, yeah, so he's just an old, withered man and that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, but it's mainly the puppet. That's the face. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a shame. They're really, I miss the whole villain, evil, creepy villain guy. I mean, what's that popular series where it's all, you know, weird, paranormal things are happening everywhere and shaky camera and... Oh, um, uh, why can't it? Paranormal like, activity. There it is. There's so many of those. I think there's like seven yeah. or something. Or There's no real icon there, though. There's no, no. real face to attach to it. Um, the thing about those movies is that they'll never go away just because of how cheap they are to make. Oh, my God. Yeah, I heard. I, I, They're like at the forefront of the, the micro-budget film. Oh, yeah. I think the, the director, he said it cost him... Like like a hundred thousand. It's really, really, really. It cheap was like a hundred thousand for whatever number of millions they made. <laughs> yes. Like Hollywood is just like give all of that to us. Yeah, it's insanely cheap to to make those movies. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, that's that's a shame. We've gone far off topic. So, so far. Oh, but it's yes. fine because this is the Halloween episode. Exactly. Ooh. So, God, I really want to watch more Freddy now after talking about it. Yeah, there's actually um, a podcast network I listen to called Laser Time. It's doing like a limited series on all the Freddy movies, like a podcast episode per film. And I've been wanting to like kind of like watch the Freddy movies and listen to the podcast kind of like as I watch one, listen to one. But I never have the time. (laughs) 
Yeah, those movies are so good. I lo- those are my fa- he's my favorite villain. Yeah, he's um I guess he, he appeals to me the most because of like the level of supernatural he's at uh creates a really leaves a lot of room for special effects mm. both in regards to like supernatural elements and the uh, gore. It also the fact that it's in dreams allows for a lot of creativity. And they, like it's they it's not like Jason or Michael where it's how is he going to put that machete through him or what object is he going to use? It's like, is he going to turn into something and kill him? Is he going to pop out of something? Is something going to pop out of anything can happen because they're in a realm without reality to kind of bind things. Yeah, that's what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. They, they use some pretty creative stuff with it. Uh, oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, Mike, do you have a favorite? Favorite what? Just like horror movie character. Horror movie character. Mm. Um. Or even like horror say film no. series. <laughs> horror film series. Uh. I'm kind of blanking because I I really just prefer it when someone makes like something really interesting and original. Hmm. Mm. Like they're not even like just kind of one-off where where things kind of wrap up, you okay. know. As, especially as far as that genre. Um, well, anything in that regard you want to mention? I mean, The Shining, of course. Ooh, that's a good one. Classic. But, uh, Get Out was really fucking original. That's probably gonna win uh, best original screenplay, I would imagine. Yeah. Um. I really I. We were talking about something a, a few weeks ago, and I and I forgot to mention the guest, or somewhere I, I just remember. But um, the, we were talking about Death Note, and you mentioned. Oh, he, oh, did I mention it? Yeah. Right, because he's the, Cause the same director, right? Yeah, same director. The guest is kind of an overlooked. It's actually it's more of a thriller, but it's it's got a lot of homages to to kind of it's like a slasher, but with guns is mm-hmm. the best way to put it, I would suppose. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a really cool fucking movie, and it, again, it just kind of stands on its own. Um, it follows is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like the biggest horror person, but um, like I don't really fuck with Roman Polanski anymore. But uh, Rosemary's Baby is a really good fucking movie. Uh, I don't know. I, it's hard because it's never been my favorite genre. I kind of had to like learn to appreciate it, so mm-hmm. I, my knowledge of it isn't. Is no, 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 it. it's cool. Um, I'm kind of the uh, the uh, on the opposite end, where like I'd watch it when I was little just for like cool stuff going on in it, and as I got older, uh, became unable to handle it just because like horror movies to me, like as I am now, just feel way too like dire and sadistic like it's watch all these people get murdered watch this person see everyone they know and love die in front of them it's uh, yeah I, I guess I just can't handle it now yeah actually the, the one I was probably try, trying to recall was um, uh, they look like people is there is a really good one on Netflix I saw that in the city it, it's 
it's kind of a small independent film, and it's still I don't, it's on Netflix now, but it you no, know, it didn't really get the due it deserved. I thought. Mm-hmm. Maniac. That's a really good like kind of horror thriller from back in the day, and there's a remake with Elijah Wood, which I which I like as well. Mm-hmm. Those are those are both pretty good. Okay. All right. Um, anything you guys want to say about? Uh... About Pet Shop of Horrors before we get to what is likely to be a long list of recommendations. Yeah, it was good. I, I, I mean, sadly, I didn't get to watch nearly as much as you guys, but <laughs> for the, the bit, I, the bits that I did see and that I was watching as we were podcasting, I, um, I liked it a lot. And I'll, when I get a chance, I would like to watch them more focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, Mike. Um, yeah, it was really good. I definitely enjoyed it. I wish there was more. It felt very fresh and yet familiar at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's always nice when we go. But I really like going back to these old. Even though it came out in like '99, I really like going back and finding old anime from this time period because it kind of makes me happy that there's always just so much anime being made because mm-hmm. you can always like I feel like watching something from this time period you can go back and find something really cool that at least I can that I missed because I I've never really yeah I've seen a lot and there's still stuff from back like every once in a while more often than I, I realize like I find out that there was stuff made back in the day that I just missed entirely and not even just like, oh, it was that rare. Like, I missed it entirely, and I'll be listening... Usually I'll discover these with uh, podcasts. And I'll be listening to a podcast where they're talking about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is one of those things I saw in my video store every day, and I never got around to watching it, and then I watched it, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like... So that, for them, is like what... Um, I don't know, like MD Geister... <laughs> um, Kenshi Muyo was for me like I kind of wonder if like what you know that anime that's just always around is very depending upon what part of the US you were in or Canada or the UK or wherever hmm. but, uh, last thing I want to say about uh, Pet Shop of Horrors is, is um, I really like the soundtrack to it yeah, both it was the, good. Both the sort of atmospheric bits and the actual sort of themes. Like, I think there's a dedicated theme for the pet shop itself. It's got kind of like a weird, melancholy, jazzy element to it that I really liked. Mm-hmm. And there was also the uh, songs that were... The diegetic music that was used for episode two that also had that element to them that I really enjoyed. But in general, the soundtrack is really nice. As is the entire anime. But, um, yeah, recommendations. Who wants to start? Um, well, the only things I really wrote down were... We kind of mentioned... Uh, uh, what was the goddammit? Uh, Tales from the Crypt show... <laughs> It was very much, I kind of was, in the last episode, uh, I think if you switch the second to last scene with the last scene, you'd have, like, a perfect Tales from the Crypt movie, like, ending. 
Mm. Even, though I don't, I, even though I don't really remember those endings where he kind of <laughs> where he just looks at him and he's just like someday maybe I'll even have the president of the United States as a client <laughs> I thought you could just like freeze on there and like cut to black and that'd be like a perfect ending but I'm glad we got to see the other stuff mm-hmm. so, so that was cool um, and then uh mentioned Zodiac that was I, I don't know <laughs> not that too big of an of a vibe off these just that one scene and then gremlins for sure mm-hmm. um i they mentioned chinatown so much that i've never seen chinatown but it felt <laughs> like they were referencing it and probably uh, uh big probably, trouble little china as um, well probably which i've also never seen that one bit where the girl is telling a uh, fake terry bogart that you know chinatown's got its own rules uh yeah pull that was it want to push yeah, I, I think I've seen clips where they say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah. Um, I don't know. It's hard to recommend shit based on... Because they, they kind of touch these other little stories that are kind of like other stories that aren't really horror. Like mm-hmm. the political stuff on the last one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's the it was, it's the element of it being an anthology series. Yeah, I, I don't know. I want to say like Manchurian Candidate or something like that. Just anything that kind of shows behind the scenes of election processes. Is I, don't know, I just really enjoyed that one for some reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of too much to recommend. Uh, Joe, what about you? Uh, so I, ha- I have a few. Some of them not falling directly into horror, but still kind of there. Um, so one thing I really love about horror, and we kind of talked, I mean, we kind of really dug deep into it a bit in this episode, is that it's so diverse. There are so many different like subgenres and other areas within it, and like my favorite type of horror is actually comedy horror, and like Ooh. the the Evil Dead series is by far my most favorite because, like, you have the Eternal Darkness. Uh, I mean, excuse me, Army of the Dead. You have, you know, Evil Dead, the first one. It's, it's uh, just Army of Darkness and Evil Dead Two are the funny ones. That's what it is. And also, I don't know if either of you guys have watched it, but Ash versus the Evil Dead TV show. They're on season three, and mm-hmm. it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's based off of the the movies, the Evil Dead movies, and it's just yeah. it's done beautifully. What's really cool about it is that they use a truckload of practical effect effects so you see like the whole <laughs> old school melon head exploding thing and all that stuff it's it's really that's you know the, the classic horror stuff um so yeah absolutely the evil dead stuff um tales from the hood i don't know if you guys remember watching that <laughs> that was that was also fantastic as well you know the play on Tales yeah, from the Crypts. Um, yeah. We're going to watch that on your show at some point, right? <laughs> it's so good. Tales yeah. from the Crypts. <laughs> yeah, we'll do an episode on Dag at some point. But yeah. I was actually thinking about that earlier. I forgot to mention it. <laughs> um, also, of course, Stephen King. Um, ones that pop up in my head. My favorite Stephen King horror film was probably Pet Cemetery. That scared the living daylights out of me as a child. That, that mm-hmm. just movie was terrifying, especially since I owned a lot of pets as a kid. So just the idea of knowing they could come back to life and just... And they might be mad at you. (laughs) Yeah, like, why did you let me die kind of thing. That 
Yeah, that was that that scared me. Um, Carrie, that also was one that kind of was more sad for her than anything, but just kind of she just killed pretty much everyone at the end. That was that was great. Um, Misery is a classic. You know, mm-hmm. picking out those kneecaps, just kind of, yeah, that was that was good. Um, Jeepers Creepers is kind of a new one, but I actually like that series a little bit. Um, there's been just yeah. three of them. Like that was one of the instances of uh, them trying to create like a horror movie icon. It didn't quite work. They didn't get past two episodes, two episodes, two movies. But yeah, it's it's still pretty frightening, especially when you learn. What are you more talking about Jeepers, Jeepers. Creepers? Oh. Yeah, especially when you learn more about him. The yeah. thingy. I, uh, I yeah. like the ending of the second movie, though. That's like, yeah. that's the horror movie ending I would write. Yeah, good stuff. Um, then there's, I'm not super into musicals, but then there's the whole musical horror films, like Little Shop of Horrors. I, I do enjoy that, the whole feed me. Hell of that. Feed me. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. And Sweeney Todd, I actually kind of enjoyed that a bit. I like Sweeney Todd, too. Sweeney Todd wasn't bad. Um, Cabin in the Woods is a good, funny one. I love that. So I haven't seen that, but I hear nothing but good things about it. Oh, my God, you need to watch that. Is it really good? Okay, I got it. Watch that, and there's another instance, like a horror movie deconstruction. I love those. I love those more than horror movies. Um, There's another one called uh, Behind the Mask. Or the, the okay. full title is Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon. Okay, I gotta write that down. I might have to check yeah, that up then. That one's super good. Um, the what is it? The classic movies, the Living Dead movies, or you know, the classic zombie movies. Oh, those, the Romero films. Yeah, like the very like the first one he did. You know that those are just. I mean, it's so hokey, but it's just fun watching. Watching that because you kind of get to see the evolution of the whole zombie thing. Yeah, it, it's the, just, it's the really, it's social deep. commentary there is a lot deeper. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Um, Cujo scared me a little bit because the giant dog. Well, <laughs> so that, that's that's that kind of one of the elements at work in this, which is is like this is like the horror movie shit that could be happening next door. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, no, somebody um, might just have a freak dog that gets off the leash one day. Like, <laughs> if you lived in the hood, that was a potential reality. That's why we can all <laughs> jump fences. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Um, the Cube. I not. I don't think a lot of people have seen that movie. It's just, it's essentially kind of like Saw, but not as crazy it's just about a bunch of people who are in an experiment and they're kind of throwing a giant cube and there's booby traps everywhere and they got to find their way out and that kind of thing so it's it's a it's all right um but i enjoyed it uh and then finally it's a graphic novel called nightmares and fairy tales where it's kind of like this where they do different stories with um a collection of stories about like a mermaid and they basically kind of put us like a dark like a dark uh twist on all the classic um, fairy tale stories like Cinderella and Snow White and all these other ones. So I really love those a lot. I've read all of them. Um, and then this may not really fall into horror, but I think I just started thinking about it. The Crow. I started thinking about The Crow a little bit. So It's got the elements. It's kind of like, what if the horror movie villain came back for the bad guys? Yeah. yeah that's a nice way to think about it. So, um, yeah. So I think that's all I got. There's obviously plenty more we could do, but 
but yeah, that's all I got. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a couple. Um, like in regards to horror movie anthologies, I think my favorite. Uh, not that I've seen a whole lot of them, but my favorite is uh, one that ran on Showtime called Masters of Horror. And mm. the name was pretty direct. They would actually get short stories from different horror directors. And um, they were all pretty good. I think my favorite... Um, I don't know if uh, Le Fin Absolute Demont was the name of the story or if that was an element in the story. Uh, it's basically a movie that makes people crazy. And it's got Daryl from The Walking Dead in it before he became Daryl from The Walking Dead. (laughs) What's it called? Um, Hold on. Let me just look it up. Uh, Also, why can't I think of the name? He's really popular. Norman Reedus? Yeah, Norman Reedus. That (laughs) whole fucking Kojima thing. Yeah, he's rolling with Kojima now. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Hold on, let me get the name of that specific episode. But yeah, Masters of Horror, I want to say there's at least two seasons of it. They're both pretty good. No, the episode was called Cigarette Burns. That's a name. And Oh yeah, it was actually written by John Carpenter. Ooh, who nice. Who did uh, the Halloween movies. What show? Masters of Horror. Nah, I was going to mention ones I didn't like in that one, but... (laughs) Some are good, some are bad. Uh, Whether or not they're good or bad, I guess there's some element of uh, uh, subjectivity. Um, Let's see, outside of Masters of Horror, I'm trying to think if there's any other horror anthologies. I mean, if you you want an anthology that's not necessarily horror, there's um, Outer Limits. Mm. It's my favorite, though. Twilight Zone also has some pretty good episodes. The Kid, the Cornfield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put you on the Cornfield. Classic. That's a classic. Or the Glasses. Glasses oh, break. yeah. <laughs> Finally have a chance to fair. leave. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a classic. That, that would be like me getting something similar, but it's like I'm trying to play video games, and then the TV breaks. <laughs> yeah. Trying to remember the name of this. Uh, I can't remember. I'm trying to think of the name of the guy that did Uzumaki. Um, something Ito? Junji Ito? Junji Ito. Yeah. Yeah, just um, the works of Junji Ito in general. Um, Uzumaki was the first thing that I think I read from him, which is why I defaulted to it. But uh, I want to say he's got at least one book that's like an anthology. Uzumaki might be it, actually. Um, And that's specifically if you really like the Japanese take on horror. I'm kind of hit and miss on it myself. Um, Let's see. Also... Oh, you know what I would like in regards to like Japanese, not just Japanese, but just horror anthology, not mm. a series or a group of movies, but like a game that is like a horror anthology thing. And maybe it has the same sort of basic control scheme, but you play through different scenarios with different things either out to get you or different things going on. Huh. 
Sounds like Jumanji. <laughs> well, like, 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 imagine if uh, Please Play My Movie could pull his head out of his butt, and mm. uh, like he took the basic mechanics from uh, Indigo Prophecy, and they did like a horror movie anthology type thing where like you maybe break it into three or four. If you kind of like the the way this anime looks, but mm-hmm. not necessarily looking for horror. Um, one of the things me and Joe mentioned is, uh, please save my earth. Um, kind of shoujo manga from the, uh, nineties in general, but please save my earth. is just really good. Yeah. A great story. Um, see, I had a lot more and now that the spotlight's on me, I'm choking. <laughs> I actually have a few more after you're done. Like a, like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Joe, you mentioned uh, horror comedies, and I just want to mention my favorite horror comedy ever is uh, Bride of Chucky. <laughs> oh. That movie is just fun. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's just goofy and just good times. I love Chucky. Um, oh, you know, uh, um, a horror author that's really good about, like, self-contained stuff to the point where a lot of his, where he, it just feels like, he just feels like an anthology writer. Uh, H.P. Lovecraft. Mm. Grain of salt, there's raging racism in his books. Um, <laughs> oh. I, I would want to say that the raging racism is more to speak to the time. That being said, uh, Lovecraft himself may not have been the most sensitive of uh, individuals, um, specifically black people. But there's like it's old world. Like yeah. I want to say he was active in the twenties uh, and thirties, but a lot of his stuff takes place in like late eighteen hundreds. Mm. <laughs> oh. Always the black people. Like you'll take a drink every time you see the phrase "loathsome Negro" on the Ugh. page. Ugh, Jesus, you'll get drunk. Well, I mean, like once again, that time. So yeah, for that writing for that time was probably fine. Well, I mean, that's not fine, but you know, it's just the, well, the yeah, word. That's, that's you know. just what people were back then. Yeah. Um. Other horror animes. Um. If you want a horror. Like like an anime with like a strong horror element that has also has like a lot of action. There's Devil Man and the sheer number of like retellings, retakes on mm. that story. Um I recommend saving the live action Devil Man for last. Just watch that <laughs> for laughs. Unfortunately that was the first for me. Oh. Um like there was a I mean, tied to this, there was like a late 80s or early, I want to say at least two Devilman OVAs that came out around the either late 80s or early 90s and has that old dub, that uh, old type of dub that me and Mike were talking about early on. Weird amounts of swearing, voices that don't quite feel wrong, but aren't exactly right either. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I guess that's all I got, or all I can think of at the moment. Um, uh, Joe, you said you had a few more. Yeah, just a few more quick ones. So, for anime, you just got me thinking about that. There's Helsing. I mean, it's more action y, 
Um, but Soul but yeah, War, that's uh, definitely horror elements in that. Alucard is basically like a horror, similar to The Crow. It's a horror movie monster coming after the bad guys. Yeah, and also this was first a, a movie, then it became a series because it got so popular. Also about vampires, it's called Blood. Uh, Blood, mm-hmm. Blood series is also very. I mean, it's very good too. Yeah, um, the first uh, movie was like a pretty good mix of like uh, horror, suspense, and action. Mm-hmm. If you want emphasis on horror, watch Blood Sea. Yes, I saw that. That that's definitely yeah. I've only seen bits from it, but like, Lord have mercy. <laughs> so God, a lot of, that show. A lot of, it's a lot of blood. Um, uh, as for some just movies again, Final Destination. That's more of a thriller, I think. At this, I don't think. I mean, it's, it is death chasing them, trying oh, yeah, to kill it them. It has that still. Uh, that sort of uh, horror style tension at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, some really creative deaths in that movie. Yeah, that's, why I like that's, that's where the fun of those movies lie. Is like how how people get it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like and those a lot. Boy, do they get it. <laughs> and The Fly. I love The Fly. The Fly oh, series. The first one was good. The second one was kind of eh, it, it was okay. But um, yeah, for sure. The, yeah, for sure the first one. Um, and then... If you yeah. like The Fly and also like Kamen Riders, watch Kamen Rider Shin. Is he like a? Are they all about insects and bugs? Is that the, what they're kind well, of? Well, they um the guy who the the people who made Shin, uh Shin Common Rider Common Rider Shin, um were inspired by Cronenberg, and it's kind of like taking this idea that he can turn into like a fighting grasshopper man, mm. and playing it, playing it towards horrifying realism. So it's like, yeah, turning into a freaky grasshopper man would be scary. <laughs> Then, oh, that's yeah. Because some of those common riders, their face, like their helmets, are costume. They look kind of freaky, like just. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, mm. the idea is that, especially in the earlier shows, is that they were basically the same as the monsters they were fighting. They uh, were just choosing to fight against them. Though, like, when you watch the show, the monsters are fighting are clearly like freaky mutants, and they look like guys in armor. So, yeah, in the case of Shin, they're kind of like let's let's take this to its natural conclusion. Yeah, they're fighting freaky monster men, but they're also freaky monster men. <laughs> I guess that that makes sense, and especially after I saw that clip from that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and to end it, the final one that I want to recommend here, especially if you grew up in the early '90s like we all did. Are you afraid of the dark? Yes. Baby's first horror anthology (laughs) that I remember hiding underneath my covers, shaking after watching some of those that there were just some of those were legit frightening. I mean, they Um, were, which one scared you the most. So the one that scared me the most. And even to this day, when I think about it, it just terrifies me. It says it had uh, all the kids. It was at a, they went to a pool uh, like inside of a school or something, and it was this really dark, creepy figure that was like chasing them. It was like some sort of weird specter or something like that, and it just it was killing them off one by one. And it was just, I, I I can't stand ghost-like figures. That stuff just terrifies me. Um, and then there was another one about a puppet that uh, like it just it was like chasing this little boy or something. I don't know it. 
it, it was all scary. It was all just very, very, very scary for me. I mean, I'm sure if I watch it now, I'd be like, oh my god, I, I can see. I can see where the seam is. I can see the strings. I can, I can see, see the, the seam in this yeah. costume. Yeah. I can see this motherfucker's tidy whities poking through the pants. Yeah. I can see the effing stagehand block behind. I mean, come on. We are. Yeah. No, it's. um. Yeah. The director it's... is reflected in that kid's glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. But no. Um, just as a kid before Nickelodeon with all their live shows just got bad. Um, uh, you know, I think Are You Afraid of the Dark and all that and all that stuff was even that cowboy show. Hey, hey dude. dude. <laughs> hey, dude. Hey, gal. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that was. I remember watching a lot of that. Yeah. So that was hey, even good. Dude. Clarissa. Yeah. Clarissa explains it all and just the um, whole. Stuff. Salute your shorts. Right. <laughs> yeah. Salute your shorts. Yeah. Oh, man. That was classic Nickelodeon right there. That was good stuff. But, um, but yeah. Absolutely, are you afraid of the dark? That was um, Mike. I know you're fearless like the Batman, but were there any episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark that scared you? I think I've talked about this on some show recently. It's uh, it's um, definitely the phone police is the one that stands out. Mm. Um, with Billy Baxter, these kids are like making prank phone calls, and then one day they get a call. From uh, this guy who's just like on the other end, and he's like, I'm Billy Baxter, you gotta come get me, the phone police got me, and they're like, oh shit, and then they eventually go and they find like the police headquarters, like the phone police headquarters, and then they, uh, I think they find his cell or something, and then they run away, and then, and then the lady at the front is like, this isn't the fucking phone police, what are you talking about, and then, and then they're like, <laughs> I just remember it, it ends with like a pizza delivery guy showing up. They're all like afraid that he's the phone police, and then it turns out it's the pizza delivery guy. Mm. But then he goes back to his car and he like takes the pizza logo off of his car, and it says like phone police. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> damn. Yeah, I think the one that got me—it may have been the first episode they showed where it's like. This kid, I can't remember the name of the episode, but this, uh, there's like this uh, haunted house in, uh, sort of haunted house attraction in a theme park. And it's, there's like, the centerpiece of it is this like clown. And this kid is dared to rip the nose off the clown. And when he does, he starts getting these phone calls that are seemingly from the clown. Someone like saying, give it back, give it back. <laughs> and like that alone made me uneasy but then like one of the neighbor kids decided to call me and say that shit <laughs> I think I ran from the phone screaming yeah I thought of something else while we were talking about this another instance of uh, baby's first horror anthology uh, Goosebumps mm-hmm. god damn that was a uh, that was a, a one. Adam West was on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know both both the TV show and the books. Take uh, cheese and die. <laughs> what, what was what was the one with the puppet? 
I was just trying to remember that, but I, I don't remember. Wasn't the puppet called Slappy or some shit? <laughs> I, I don't know. But, yeah, those were fucking... Those were something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you guys want to say to the audience before I bust out that thriller dance and turn into a werewolf? Oh, please, God, do that. I need, <laughs> I need to see that. That'd make my goddamn day. Man... Put that shit on loop. Watch it every day. Uh, no, I think I'm good. There's so much horror. So much. So much. Uh, you, Mike? No. Watch this show. It was good. But yeah, uh, I, I, I dug this a lot. So. Oh, yeah. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah. Ooh, spooky. Spoopy, scary skeletons are crawling up your butt. Remember, don't go into the van. No matter how sweet the candy is, just don't, don't do it. Yeah, buy your own candy. Have it at home where it's safe. Well, they're little kids. I don't think they can afford candy. Oh well, then where the hell are your parents? Uh, <laughs> but that's why they go trick or treating. <laughs> so they oh, yeah, get yeah there's supposed to be some sort of chaperone with you to get the candy. Yeah, that's if true. There's no chaperone. Get one, or at least like hide a knife in your bag. Oh, so careful! If anybody comes at you wrong, stab the shit out of them. Careful! You don't want to stick your hand in the bag and accidentally stab yourself. Well, be careful. I mean, you gotta like be reaching into that bag pretty haphazardly <laughs> if, if you're gonna straight up impale your own hand. You gotta figure out how to get the knife to stand up on its own and not fall over when you touch it. Like it's gotta like have something keeping it firm, standing oh. up. At least we'll have a story to tell. There you go. You'll have something to tell everybody. Yep. Have a nice Halloween, boys and girls. I like when you do that voice. That tired voice. The opening and closing theme is Synthetic Highway. Please check out its creator, Submorphine, at soundcloud.com slash submorphine. Preview theme slash promo theme is Anime Rocket. Please check out its creator at facebook.com slash squarion, S Q U A R I O N. Also check out Squarion's The Flash Project, Project Stick, at facebook.com slash Project Stick. For old episodes and new episodes as they come out, please subscribe to us on soundcloud.com slash radio. You can also subscribe to us on Facebook facebook.com slash radio on twitter at radio or through android itunes or google play if you want to talk to the host individually i'm on twitter at Otaku connect joe is on twitter at magp returns and mike is on twitter at hyper 90s Open up the 
door and I'm seeing like a flood of cum all over the ground and just like <laughs> grinding on each other. Whoa. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm hoping that it plays out 